Mom, can you hear me? Hey, Mom, can you hear me? Can you see me? Mom, can you hear me? I can't see you, but I can hear you. Uh, no, hang up, hang up. You gotta see her. Wait, can you turn your video on? Do you know how to do it? Uh, there you are. Mom. Mom. Okay, can you see me? Can you see me? I can see you. Mom, I'm going to the major leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, mama. I'm going, mom. I promise. I promise, mom. I'm going. Come on. I gotta figure out all the logistics in a second. They just told me just now. I did it, mommy. I did it, Mom. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you for everything, Mom. Thank you. Thank you for Thank you for supporting me. I can't do this without you. I did, Mom. I did. Yep. I love you too. I'm gonna call you back. I, I just got. I'm gonna talk to my manager and everybody, and we're gonna figure it out. <laughs> Sorry, what is mom? Well, you worked hard. You deserve it. You deserve it. Mom, you don't know. You don't know how many times I would think about <laughs> you taking care of dad. <laughs> and it would keep me going. Because I'm like, if she could go through all of that, if she could go through all of that, do this, I can, I can do it. And you give me, you give me a lot of inspiration, mom. And I promise I'm gonna keep working just as hard. When, when I'm up there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be working just as hard. Absolutely. Thank you, mom. That was the audio of a FaceTime call when Winton Bernard told his mother, Janet, that he was going to the major leagues after 11 years of playing minor league baseball. The video was filmed by Bernard's teammate with the Albuquerque Isotopes, pitcher Brandon Gold. The video went viral the day that Bernard made his major league debut, Friday, August 12th, for the Colorado Rockies against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I've lost track of how many times that video has been viewed, shared, reshared, posted with permission, posted without permission across all the different social media platforms. It's been shown on MLB Network, ESPN, CNN, and many more that I'm sure I'm not aware. It's probably well over a million views within just the first weekend. Winton Bernard has become the feel-good story of baseball. This is a guy who was a 35th round selection by the San Diego Padres in 2012. He was the 1,065th player selected in that 2012 draft. Bernard played for five organizations, the Padres, the Tigers, the Cubs, the Giants, and most recently the Rockies. He's played winter ball in Australia, in Mexico, and the Dominican Republic. He played two years of unaffiliated independent baseball, including 
the Renegade League in Texas during the 2020 pandemic. And now after 1,015 games in the minor leagues, after 3,854 plate appearances in the minor leagues, Winton Bernard is a Major League Baseball player. I feel very fortunate that I've been able to watch and describe Bernard's journey over the last 16 months as the play-by-play announcer for the Albuquerque Isotopes. We've had a lot of deep conversations where I've gotten to know him really well without any microphones nearby. We've also had quite a few on-the-record interviews for the Isotopes pregame show. I've compiled all of our interviews and wanted to share them as part of a very special episode of this podcast. So here we go. Winton Bernard, from over the last 16 months, is next on Life Around the Seams. Former Major League pitcher Jim Bouton once wrote, You spend a good piece of your life gripping a baseball, and in the end, it turns out, it was the other way around all the time. Welcome to Life Around the Seams, a podcast about baseball people who have interesting stories from between the lines, and sometimes even more interesting stories outside the lines. Here's your host, Josh Sushan. first time that I talked to Winton was on May 29th, 2021. As you'll hear, the audio is not very good, and that's because we were talking on Zoom. Remember, minor league baseball had just restarted. Media members like me were not allowed to be around the players, and so any interviews that I conducted had to be over Zoom. So here we go. The first time I talked to Winton, and we find out about his background playing independent baseball, and also the time that he was on The Family Feud. This weekend, Albuquerque Isotopes with their first visit to Sugarland, Texas, taking on the Skeeters. And as we continue with Isotopes on deck, we're joined now by a guy who's very familiar with Constellation Field, and that is Isotopes outfielder Winton Bernard. He played for the Skeeters in 2019 when they were an independent league team. And then last year, he played as part of the independent league that was four teams. They all played at the same ballpark. They played during the pandemic. And so, Winton, let's start right there. You guys got started even before the major leagues did. You didn't have a lot of fans, but there were some fans. What was it like being one of the few people who got to play baseball last year in the pandemic? You know what? I actually felt really, really grateful because a lot of my teammates, a lot of my friends weren't even able to play any baseball at all. Um, it was in the offseason, and I was like, you know what? You never know. I mean, I know we're in a pandemic, but maybe something can kind of turn out. So I kept working out. I kept working hard, and luckily – um, yeah, we, we were able to get a four-team league together, and I know it was a short season. I think it was only about 20 or something games, but um, it was still something, you know, so we were still able to work on our skills, and guys got picked up out of that league, and it, it furthered our development, so you couldn't even ask for more. Yeah, just, I mean, anytime that you go to independent league ball, I would think that there's a little bit of doubts about where am I in my career. What did playing last year do to help you get noticed and ultimately end back up in affiliated baseball at the Rockies? Yeah, I think it definitely helped because um, there were still scouts that were able to come see us play. Um, we're in a good league, too, so a lot of the guys actually did end up getting picked up. So um, um, our ma- my manager, Pete Incavilia, who's a great manager, 
he was really pushing for me too. And he was like, man, you, you got to get another opportunity. Just keep going, just keep going. And so um, after the season, I actually got to play in the Dominican for um, about a week and a half too. So they first thing they asked me was, Hey, have you played any ball? And I'm sure they wouldn't have taken a chance on me if they knew I hadn't played all summer. So um, I, as you know, like the Dominican league is like one of the top leagues. So that even helped me get into that league and obviously get uh, signed back with the Rockies. What were some of the strangest parts of playing in a pandemic when most of the world is shut down and there's a bubble for the NBA in Florida and Major League Baseball is trying to figure out what they're going to do? What were some of the, just the strangest things that you and the other guys in that league experienced? I think it was just uh, the locker room atmosphere. We were kind of still worried about, you know, getting the virus. I mean, we're still kind of are getting worried about getting the virus, but we're still new to everything. So, you know, guys were wearing masks and we were trying to be super careful after the games. We couldn't shower at the clubhouse. They told us to, to go to the hotel and shower because we didn't want to, like, have germs anywhere. So um, we would show up to the game and then come back in our street clothes. They're all dirty. So it was kind of nasty. But at the same time, it was good because, you know, they didn't want us to get sick. Uh, other than that, like, the fans being so spread out and not that many fans at, at the games. Um, it, was just a, it was a lot different outlook, but we made it work. This is Isotopes on Deck. We're visiting with outfielder Winton Bernard. You mentioned that there weren't a lot of fans and they were spread out, but you still had fans. Nobody else got to play in front of fans last year. Not The NBA didn't. Major League Baseball didn't until the very end of the postseason. Even if there wasn't a lot of them, how did it feel just to hear some cheers or some booing or whatever it is that fans are doing? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, we, were, we were really grateful for that, too. And here in Sugarland, they were kind of getting into some of the games, too. A lot of people hadn't seen sports and so long so I feel like they were they're more adamant on cheering and, and booing for that same reason they, they were into the games when uh when they were there even though it was only supposed to be at you know about 33 percent capacity but yeah like you said at least it was something having played in Sugarland for an entire season in 2019 and then the experience last year in that smaller league during the pandemic what were your thoughts when you heard that Sugarland was going to go up to AAA and be an affiliate of the Astros I was, I was excited for him, actually, you know, because they did things the right way when I was here. And um, I feel like they totally deserve that. It's a nice, beautiful field, and they have nice, beautiful fans, you know. Um, I know that they brought the uh, right field in about 15 feet, and thank God they did that because <laughs> there was no home runs at all, especially with the balls we were using in the Atlantic League. I mean, nothing was getting out. So, um I, you know, I was excited for them, like, moving up to the to the AAA level. And who would have thought, like, I would be playing against them this year, you know? So it's it's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect when, when I saw the ballpark. And, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, but sometimes you think, oh, independent league, you know, like, how good can the ballpark be? And then I arrived and I went, wow, this is this is better than some of the team's ballparks that are in our league already. <laughs> how much – have they made changes just from the two years that you were there to what it is now? Is it exactly the same or what kind of changes have they made? I think a lot of the changes are inside. So, you know, they changed the whole clubhouse. Um, they have really, really nice cages now. And like I said, they moved the right field in about 15 feet because right field used to be 348. Now it's like 320. So um, the bullpens all, have also been, been changed. And I know they put in at least like, $4 million to, to change everything, which is a, a lot of money, you know? Um, so as a player, 
you see those things, but I don't know if the fans get to see all the stuff behind the scenes, but as a player, I definitely know like all the changes that they did. And it's, it's quite an upgrade. And it was, it was already nice before. Talking to some guys this year who didn't get to play at all last year, it's definitely a, a period of adjustment and just getting back in the swing of playing. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys who are a little bit rusty since you got to play in the summer and in the winter. Did you feel like when this season began that, that you were where you would normally be, or maybe a step ahead of other guys, or just what did playing in those two different leagues last year do to help you get ready this year? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the more you play, you know, the better off you're going to be. Um, and you try to do everything in the off season to prepare yourself for the season. So in my mind, mentally, I wanted to say, you know, I didn't even take a break or anything, even though I only played, I don't know, maybe 30 games last year, whereas in a normal season, I would have played 130 or whatever it is. Um, I think it definitely helped me progress and maybe, um, I had a step ahead of against some other guys who hadn't played, but at the same time, I wish I did, you know, have the opportunity to play 130 games because it's a whole different level. You know, um, I always like going into the season or I like playing winter ball for that reason, because when I get to spring training, I'm like, Oh, I already have, you know, 30 extra games under my belt. I'm ready to go. So I didn't get to have that, but I'm very grateful. Like I said, for having the opportunity to play in two different leagues last year when guys haven't played in like a year and a half or two years. This is Isotopes on Deck. We're visiting with outfielder Winton Bernard. I'm going to change gears a little bit. According to my research, tell me if I'm wrong, but you and your family appeared on The Family Feud. Is this correct? <laughs> I sure did. Whose sure idea did. was it and who, who did the recruiting of other members of the Bernard family to join <laughs> The Family Feud? Oh, man. So uh, me and my brother Wayne were playing like the 1990 Nintendo game. And of course, we didn't know any of the answers because it was, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. So I'm like, Wayne, since we can't, we stayed up all night for about five hours trying to play this thing, try to beat it. And uh, I was like, Wayne, let's go on the real game. And like, he thought I was kidding. So it was probably two o'clock in the morning. And I sent an email to Family Feud. And I, you know, I sent them about my whole family. I told them both my brothers played sports. You know, my mom was in education. My dad always wanted us to be on Family Feud. And they responded to it that morning. They said, if you can make it to tryouts in LA on Friday, we'll, we'll, we'll accept you guys. So we had an audition that same Friday. I called my brother. He was in law school. I was like, hey, can you make it out? And then um, my cousin. So my brother and my cousin both went to UNM. They played, uh, they played football at the uh, University of New Mexico. So both of them were there. Um, and then, of course, my mom and one of my, my uncle, he was there as well. So, yeah, we, we got on the show. And Steve Harvey, it was a blast. They took it off YouTube. I wish everybody could still see it. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. What are some of your favorite memories from, from being on the show? Oh, gosh. So <laughs> I swear they set you up for certain answers, but um, there, was, there was a couple questions they asked that were a little promiscuous. Uh -huh. And so my answers were a little bit promiscuous, too. And so Steve goes, that Winton's a nasty little thing. <laughs> he, said, he said that right in front of my mom. And she's like, I thought I taught that boy right. <laughs> so every time I watch the show or, uh, you know, it brings back memories like that. And of course, Steve Harvey's a great person. He's in there cracking jokes during the time. And then he's going on a personal note to all of us and telling us how to motivate and, and like strive for your dreams. So it was a combination of both. Like we got we got to see Steve Harvey in person. I got to be with the family and it was like a free trip to Atlanta. So you couldn't beat it. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I love some of the facial expressions that Steve Harvey does. When he doesn't even <laughs> say anything, he just kind of like looks and just gives you like this eye, like, where did that answer just come from? Hey, right? Yeah, exactly. He, he did that to me a couple of times. <laughs> Most importantly, did your family win on the family feud or not? All right, so we were, it was the fourth round, and we are up. All we needed was 20 points, but the fourth round's triple points. And so it was like 278 to zero. They won the fourth round. So it was like basically tied. And then we lost in sudden death on the, on the fifth round. So oh. I know devastating. That is devastating. That's good <laughs> stuff though. That's really good. Stuff. Yeah. I love it so much. Uh, one other topic I wanted to ask you about, there's a lot of rules that are being implemented in minor league baseball this season, just to see how it's going to change the game. And we don't have any of them yet, but in the second half of the season, our bases are going to be bigger, three inches bigger. As someone who utilizes speed, you've stolen a lot of bases. How much do you think having the bases be three inches bigger is going to either A, encourage you to steal more or be successful at stealing more bases? You know what? We actually had those in the Atlantic League okay. in 2019, and I loved it. It was it took like a week to get used to, but I see why they did it. And I think one of the biggest reasons was for injuries. So guys, you know, who really lunge at the bag. You didn't really see that as much. Um, another thing is it's bigger. It's bigger to cover, so you're not going to miss the base as much. And then stealing bases, uh, I know it's going to be yeah a little bit shorter. I guess it's three inches or something like that. So you can get to the bat quicker. I don't know if it's going to really encourage guys because they're still going to go if they're going to go. For me, it really didn't It didn't matter, but um, I think it definitely will help. And I also did see there's about five times where a ball hit second base because the base was so big. It's, it was unbelievable. So the base, the ball would hit the base and then, then pop up. And we're like, it must be the bigger bases. <laughs> right. So uh, I actually am a big fan of them. Uh, I really liked it. Did you feel like when you're going back to first base on a pickoff attempt that that three inches made a bigger difference? Or do you think that three inches made a bigger difference when you're trying to steal a base? You know what? I think it, you're right. It was when you're going back. And I can remember at second base a couple of times when I was going to steal third and I was getting, you know, about to get a pickoff um, and going back, I was like, oh, that's a little shorter. Like, you know, that felt, that uh -huh. felt a little bit better. So yeah. I could get kind of a bigger lead. Um, I didn't really notice that first too much or stealing bases, but <clears throat> at second going back, I could notice it. All right. Good stuff. All right, Winton, appreciate your time uh, for being so generous with your time. This is all really good stuff. Um, thanks once again. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. The next interview was June 28th, 2021, before a game against the Tacoma Rainiers. This was a stretch where Bernard had just won a game on a sacrifice fly on a ball that was not hit to very deep left field. And then he also hit a big home run. Again, this is June 28th, 2021. Bernard is 9 for 9 stealing bases this year. First pitch to Hilliard, he's going. Pitch is taken low, throw to second is high into center. Bernard will stay there at second base. So the strategy by Warren Schaefer paying off so far. As Winton Bernard steals his 10th base of the season without being thrown out. Weiss deals, Bresenio, liner, left field, coming in, making the catch is Liberato. Bernard's gonna try to score the throw, he is safe! He is safe! 
Winston Bernard's speed is the difference. And Jose Brasenio, the line out to left for the sacrifice fly. And the Isotopes win it. The final score, 5-4. And the 1-0 pitch. And that one's hit high and deep to left center field. You can tell it goodbye. Winston Bernard's got a two-homer game. That is a three-run blast here in the eighth inning. The Tumps have broken this one wide open. They lead 11-4. Back here at Rio Grande Credit Union Field on this Monday night, game five of this six-game series. Isotopes taking on the Tacoma Rainiers. We continue with Isotopes on deck, and we're joined now by outfielder Winston Bernard, who has won games with his legs and with his power over the last two days. Let's start Saturday, Winton. I peeked out of the corner of my eye, and at one point, Warren Schaefer from the third base coach's box went over to say something to you, and I'm sure he was telling you that you're going to pinch run, but what did he say about what he wants you to do once you enter the game? Well, he just told me that, um, you know, if he's a good guy to steal on, just go ahead and go, and if not, there's no rush. Like, I can score from, uh, from first on a double, but I looked at the sheet, and the guy was a little bit slower, so I was like, I know I can get this guy, and it was a huge situation. I was ready to go right away. Oh, I always feel like it's the Dave Roberts moment, right? It's a tie game. You like a lot of people know that you're going, especially to go on first base, and it's like, all right, here we go, right? Yeah, exactly. It's such an adrenaline rush too. It's like everybody in the stadium knows I'm going, but I still do it anyway, and it's just an incredible feeling. I don't even know how to describe it. All right, well, we're gonna have to describe another moment, which came not too long after that. You're at third base, a fly ball to left. It's not very deep. We know that guy can throw after the the throw that he had Thursday. Were you going no matter what on that fly ball or what? I actually wasn't. Uh, I just judged how he he uh, fielded the ball, and I saw he was a little bit off balance. Then I was like, he probably doesn't think I'm gonna go. All this stuff is going through my heads within seconds. So um, I, you know, I just took off and didn't hold anything back. I'm well safe. They think you left early. They appealed immediately. What do you say to that? I say no. No, of course not. <laughs> we actually looked at the film right when we came over because a couple of the guys on my team asked me if I left early. We were going back and forth. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. But we had it frame by frame, and right when he caught it, I took off. So I, I got pretty lucky. <laughs> Tell me about the celebration. Everyone always mobs the guy who hit it. You know, so everyone's going after Briseño, but you had the big stolen base. Just tell us about that moment for you and your teammates. Yeah, oh, I mean, Shafe even came up to me, and he told me that was such a big situation, way to be ready for your team. And it just means a lot to me because um, it's a team game. So, you know, I was sitting on the bench for nine innings, but I still was able to contribute to the team. This is Isotopes on deck. We're visiting with outfielder Winton Bernard. So that was Saturday. Then yesterday you hit two home runs, and you've actually hit three home runs in the last 15 at-bats going back to Reno. You don't play every day, but you're finding a way to stay ready. How are you feeling about your swing right now? I feel real good. Yeah, yesterday was a big jump for me. Um, I haven't hit two home runs in a pro ball game, so that was an exciting moment for me. I've always wanted to do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully I can do it again. <laughs> Out of the two home runs, take us through kind of – uh, not you don't have to go through like every pitch, but just what you were thinking, what you're looking for, and then what you ended up hitting. Yeah, well, I think the the second home run was meant a lot more to me because I had runners on base and um, we needed some extra runs at the end of the game. I know we we're up a few, but you never know with this ballpark. <laughs> and so I had runners on first and third, and just looking for something up in the zone that I could drive, um, not swinging at the slider down or uh, like fastball like super low that I hit into the ground. So I got the pitch I wanted and put a good swing on it. Did you peek to see how far it went? It went off the scoreboard. Not like the left part of the scoreboard, but deep left center it went off the scoreboard. <laughs> the, the first one, I was hustling around the bases because I didn't even know I hit it that hard. And um, Jake, 
you know, our video coordinator, he basically told me, he was like, yeah, you hit the first one further, and then the second one, you kind of jog. And I was like, <laughs> it's just the way the game goes. When the, when the team hits six home runs like they did yesterday, just describe just the mood in the dugout, different conversations, what people are saying about, okay, I got to get one, okay, I got to get my second one, or things like that. Uh, I mean, it's just a good atmosphere. I mean, we're pumped for our guys when we hit home runs. Everybody likes it, you know, just hitting the ball hard. And hitting's contagious, so if one guy does it, you know the next guy can do it. It doesn't have to be a home run, but just even a hit. But um, it was super exciting yesterday. I mean, Connor, those those were blast. Um, I mean, I know Bago hit one too. I mean, it was just it was it was a good atmosphere. All right, Wyndham, thanks so much for your time. Well done the last couple of days. Thank you so much. This next interview was from August sixteenth, twenty twenty one. We were back at Sugarland as we discussed a number of different things that was happening in Winton Bernard's life back in twenty twenty one. We continue with Isotopes on Deck, and our guest is outfielder Winton Bernard. Full disclosure, we recorded this interview yesterday. You'll probably hear the thunder and lightning that had started in the background. We wanted to talk with Bernard because he played two years here in Sugarland when it was an independent league team. And the difference between playing baseball in Albuquerque and Sugarland is totally different. And so we simply started off by asking Winton, in his own words, what's the difference between baseball at sea level and baseball at 5,200? feet altitude in Albuquerque oh my goodness it's a huge difference uh, I couldn't even nail it down to one word but I'm just saying the ball does not fly at all and uh, pitchers definitely have the advantage uh, here at home so I've, I've seen a ball go to right field and the outfielder actually had to turn the other way to catch it <laughs> like it was coming so far back in the wind like house 40 miles an hour so uh, you can't get frustrated as a hitter you just got to take it what it is but it's definitely a different game than Albuquerque where the ball you know kind of flies Definitely noticed that just the way that you play center field. There was a key moment in yesterday's game, second inning, two on, two out. I look out there, and I swear, I think you were just as close to second base as you were to center field. And then you move over to right center, and then, like, the next pitch, the dude hit it right to you. <laughs> Tell me about the scouting report on that. Yeah, I was just going on reading swings, and based on my experiences here, um, I used to sometimes play right field here sometimes, and I'd be, you know, close to the second baseman. And so uh, with the hitter up, I figured we can just play him <laughs> super far in. And I said, if he hits it over my head, he hits it over my head. But if he does, I'll probably get to it anyway. So I felt like I had enough room if he hit it over my head and I was in the right spot at the right time. Everybody was, everybody, I think Greg Bird was the one who said, hey, act like you played here before. <laughs> as soon as I came back into the dugout, I was like, yeah, I know how it is here. It doesn't go. Yeah, that, that is crazy. Um, there was another part in yesterday's game where you kept turning around. And I don't know if you had old friends out there or new friends that you were making. Like, who were you talking to out there? Because it seemed like you were having a good time with somebody. Yeah, I had some old friends out there uh, and some, some more fans. I used to love playing here because all the fans would talk to me and stuff. So I think some of these guys remember me and they were giving me, you know, giving me a hard time but at the same time playing around with me. This is Isotopes on deck. We're visiting with outfielder Winton Bernard. So you touched on this about you can't get frustrated as a hitter. Do you change your swing, your mindset, or do you just have to do the exact same thing whether you're in Albuquerque or Sugarland? It depends uh, based on how I'm feeling. So, I mean, the first game I kind of wanted to – I know they're shifting me over a little bit, so I was looking for a pitch, you know, middle of the way to drive and try to beat that shift. And I have beat it a couple times, but at the same time, then you might be giving up something else like your strength. So um, – I feel pretty confident today, uh, just, just hitting the ball wherever it is, you know, just hit it hard because you don't want to change too much and then you give up your, your biggest strength. So um, yes and no, I know some guys might be trying to, you know, pull it more than usual because that's the way it goes, but right now I'm just trying to do, you know, do what I can. 
It's funny you mentioned the shift. I have a good friend who's in town, and we were talking about this after the game, and he said, why don't they just hit it? Like, the entire right side of the field is open. Like, why can't they do that? And I told him, this isn't slow-pitch softball. Like, these dudes throw really hard, and he's like, they're professionals. What makes it harder than the normal person thinks about trying to beat the shift? Let's see. I mean, even though he, like, I've tried it a couple times, and it's like, if they throw a fastball in, it's 95 miles an hour. How in the world am I supposed to try to hit it in that hole 95 miles an hour? I'm going to jam myself or break the bat, which I did. So it's like, uh, it's, it's easier said than done. Uh, there's been a lot of great hitters that I think could do it. Like, Tony Gwynn's one of them. I think he could place it wherever he wanted, but it's, it's super hard when you guys guys throwing 95, 100, and then they bracket up with like a 72 mile hour curveball, and you're trying to place the ball that way. It's, it's, it's easy, way easier said than done. Now that said, when you do it, and you did it yesterday, and you were able to hustle all the way to second, how satisfying is it when you beat the shift? <laughs> I literally started smiling. I never smiled so big this year because I knew I beat him. And I told CJ, uh, the second baseman, or shortstop yesterday, I was like, I got him this time. <laughs> it's, it's the most satisfying thing in the world. And hopefully, you know, they play me over a little bit. And those balls I hit up the middle, they'll start going through because I played this team what, 20 times already. And there's been about four balls I hit up the middle that are usually base hit, and they've gotten caught. So now to get a little revenge is always satisfying. Speaking of just like satisfaction, this team had our number earlier in the year and now the isotopes are playing really well. You're one of the few guys who's been here since day one. Having gone through the frustration of losing 10 of 12 to them earlier, how does it feel that just the winning vibes that this team has finding ways to win right now? Absolutely. I think Shafe said it best. He's like, we're a new team than what we saw them first in the year. And I was like, I absolutely agree. Uh, we're on a roll right now. Even the last two games, those were scrappy, scrappy wins. But in the beginning of the year, we might not be able to pull those out. So even to win those last two games, I think we only had a couple hits uh, here or there. But our pitching came together, our defense came together, and we hit at the right time. So that's, that's all it takes. And I know they're a really good team, but I honestly think we're better. All right, Winton, thanks so much for your time and your knowledge about this ballpark. Appreciate it. All right, no problem. Thank you. This next audio that you'll hear is from Logan Cozart, a relief pitcher for the Albuquerque Isotopes. Now, Cozart had just been selected pitcher of the year by his teammates. I interviewed him on September 27th. Winton Bernard was named the fan favorite by Isotopes fans, and I asked Cozart about Winton Bernard. I also want to ask you about Winston Bernard. Now, he was named fan favorite, so the players didn't vote for him, but everyone loves him. Just... Tell me about the teammate and the ball player, Winton Bernard. I mean, he's a he's a player's favorite too. Not only did he is he a fan favorite, but he's also the player's favorite. I mean, he he comes to the ballpark every day, smile on his face, whether he's in the lineup or not. He brings the same same mentality, same energy, same smile. I mean, every single day, and it's it's a good thing. And it, I think a lot of guys can take take something from that to see him do that every day. All right, now we move ahead to 2022. This is April 16th. It's the day after Jackie Robinson Day. Everybody for the Isotopes had just worn the uniform number 42. I had laryngitis at the time. This was my first game back. This is why my voice sounds terrible. And again, this is my interview, April 16th, 2022, with Winton Bernard. And the 1-0. And that's a line drive down the left field line. That's a fair ball as well. That scores Snyder. That scores Morales. Winton Bernard on a 1-0 pitch rips a two-run double. And the Isotopes have extended their lead to 3-0. Back here at the Plaza on this Saturday night, the Isotopes are the Mariachis. It's game five of the six-game series taken on Tacoma. We continue with Isotopes on deck, and we're joined now by Winton Bernard. Well, Winston, last night was Jackie Robinson night, one of my favorite nights of the year. Everyone wore number 42. 
you got to wear number 42 and play in the game. What did it mean to you just to wear Jackie Robinson's number last night? Man, that was super special. That was the first time in my career that's ever happened. I know it happens, uh, you know, in the big leagues, and I didn't even know we were going to be able to do that. And it was honestly an honor. Um, just the impact he had on the game, and especially for African-American players, it was a huge deal for me. So you're in center field, and you always have this really cool view of the ballpark in center field. But as you were looking out last night, everywhere you looked, all your teammates were wearing 42. Like, what did that visual look like for you? It's so cool. Like, honestly, it's something, you know, we've seen on TV um, from the big leagues. But it's like um, the the whole setup they have this year, even in the ballpark, it says 428, uh, the dimensions of the field with the 42 in the back. I just love it. And we got Jagger Robinson's jersey, obviously retired in, uh, in right center. And it's just good to know that we're – we're on the same page about this, you know yeah. what I mean? Everybody's on the same page, and we know what's going on. You didn't just play, but you contributed, which you've been doing all year long, to get a big hit, probably the biggest hit of the game, a two-run double to have two hits, to not just play, but to, to have such an impact on the game. How did that feel? It felt great, too. I mean, uh, that was the first inning, and had a couple runners on, and I got a pitch that I, that I liked, and what a way to do it on a special night, too. Big picture here. I'm going to put you on the spot. There used to be so many more African-Americans who played baseball in the heydays, in the 70s, in the 80s, and the numbers continue to decline. You're the only black player on, on the isotopes this year. There's a lot more in the Rockies farm system. But what needs to be done, what can be done to try to get more of the great athletes playing this sport? I honestly think it's uh, opportunities. Um, we all want to play it. It's just that for some reason we don't get the same opportunities as other players do. And um, I think baseball needs to be better. Um, I think in the big leagues with the Rockies, there's only one one as well. Um, if we can just get more opportunities, I, I promise we'll, we'll make a better impact. This is Isotopes on Deck. We're visiting with outfielder Winston Bernard. The other big story from last night, besides Jackie Robinson night, was that it was the first night that the umpires were really, truly enforcing the pace of play. We played a game in two hours and 14 minutes. A nine-inning game in Albuquerque was finished in two hours and 14 minutes. We hear a lot from the media, from the fans about pace of play. Give me the player's perspective on what it was like last night. Honestly, it it took a little bit while to get used to. Um, We felt a little bit rushed, but the game flew by, absolutely flew by. Um, I remember going up to the plate and knowing, like, okay, I only have about five or six seconds to get up there, especially after pitch. I was like, all right, got to step back into the box. A couple of the guys were frustrated, but it did it did really impact, like, the game. Like, the, the game actually flew by. Was there something where the umpires just told the coaches or did they tell the players, like, look, we're really, truly going to enforce this. So you guys better be in the box. Or what kind of communication was delivered to the players? Well, Schaefer told us that the umpires are going to call it especially early. They want to, like – they want to be hard on us right in the beginning, but as well, um, the umpires, they told us before the game that they were going to call everything too. Um, luckily, behind the plate, there was a couple of times where I wasn't in the box and he said, hey, you need to get in there, you need to get in there. <laughs> and I was like, thank you for telling me that because y- you almost forget we've been playing this game for so long, we never had rules like this. So it's, it's definitely going to be a little bit of a change, but I think it might actually be for the better if we can get used to it. I think for a lot of guys, getting used to it is different in the batter's box than in the field. So describe when you're in center field and the amount of time that you're normally standing around waiting between pitches and what the difference was when it was that fast. Yeah, that's actually kind of nice because sometimes in the outfield, your mind just goes all over the place. I'll be thinking about what I'm going to eat later that night and butterflies, and then it's like the next pitch i got to like be ready. But now it's like I'm more engaged into the game. Um, it's easier to to not lose my focus as much. So it's pretty cool, uh, especially on defense because you know the pitch is coming like right away. Final question, at what point does it become too fast? Does the game become too fast? Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> that's true. That's true, too. Um, 
I wish I wish there was like a couple more seconds um, in terms of like I, I don't know. There's like little things when you go up to the plate. Sometimes fans like to see how the player walks up to the plate. They like to hear his, his music, his walkout song. Even on defense, you're throwing balls to the fans. You got to look at your card to see where to position the outfielders um, in between pitches. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So everything's kind of kind of rushed. But uh, we'll see if we could get used to it, and it'll maybe, like I said, maybe it could be for the better. All right, Winton, great job last night. As always, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Josh. Two outs, fifth inning, and Winton Bernard coming to the plate looking for another big hit from Bernard. Had a two-out RBI double in the second inning. Had a two-out, two-run double in the third inning. In the second inning, he pulled it just fair down the third baseline. In the third inning, he got it just fair down the first baseline. To me, that means he's due for one to straightaway center. What do you think? Here's the first pitch. Hit in the air, center field, deep. Ramos going back, climbing the hill. You can tell it goodbye! What do you say, Winton? Straightaway center! We are tied at seven apiece! By the end of the first month of the season, Winton was playing extremely well, and it started to get a whole lot more playing time. Clint Hurdle was in Albuquerque. He was the manager for the Rockies when they went to the World Series in 2007. He's now a special assistant to the general manager. I had Clint on the pregame show and also the early stages of an Isotopes game before he flew home. And, of course, I went out of my way to make sure that I asked him a question about the way that Bernard was playing. Well, speaking of power, I want to ask you about Winton Bernard. He's not in the lineup today, and I was just looking at this. My stat of the day is that he does not qualify for the league leaders. If he did, he'd be first in batting average, first in on-base percentage, first in slugging percentage. So even though he doesn't have enough at-bats to qualify, he still leads the league in RBIs, and he's second in total bases. What have you thought about Winton Bernard this week? Well, what a, what a happy, you know, opportunity. What a good opportunity. Good man, first of all. Good man. He shows up. He puts work in. He was ready for the opportunities that presented themselves to him in April. Get over 400, six homers, 22 RBIs. We're aware of the numbers. And I love the fact the other night he threw out five two-out RBIs from a hitting perspective because those, when you're the manager, those two RBIs are put up against you. Those are hard because you're one pitch away from getting out of the inning and bam, you're not. And then the scoreboard changes. So the fact that he can go get a ball in the outfield and he can get down the line. He's got a speed tool that's real and he's used it efficiently. So it's going to be fun to watch him continue to play and see how the months progress. But what a big April Winton had. This next soundbite is from May 3rd, 2022. Bernard had just been named the Pacific Coast League Player of the Week. I always talk to Warren Schaefer, game one of a series on a Tuesday. And this was Warren Schaefer discussing Winton Bernard. Let's talk about Winston Bernard, another guy who's always ready to roll. No matter how much playing time he gets, you know that he's going to be ready. And last week he's named Pacific Coast League Player of the Week. Back-to-back -back games with a leadoff home run on the first pitch, no less. Hit another bomb to straightaway center. Had three straight home runs. Tell me just your, your thoughts about Winston's ability to stay ready no matter how much playing time he gets and then produce. You know, that's, that's a skill, and you have to be completely dedicated and have the heart for that. And Winton does, and it's impressive. He, he has been fantastic this whole first month, just like I expected he would. He knew going in that he wasn't going to play that much coming out of the gate. And uh, when he was called upon, he delivered every single time. And now he's getting more playing time, and that's just how it works in baseball. And he's earned every bit of it. 
The next time that Winton and I formally sat down for an interview was June 26th. We were at Las Vegas at the time. And this is where it became apparent that this was no fluke. This was no week. This was no just good month. Winton Bernard was one of the best players in the Pacific Coast League. And this was our interview on June 26th. Tonight, it's the conclusion of a six-game series for the Albuquerque Isotopes. On the road, taking on the Las Vegas Aviators. And, well, the Isotopes hit eight home runs last night. So we have a lot of different candidates to choose from to who to talk to. But we're going to go with Winton Bernard because he hit a leadoff home run, and then he hit his second home run of the game. He's done that a bunch this year. So let's start with the leadoff home runs, Winton. Right. Yesterday was the fourth time that you've let off a game of the home run. Just give us your mindset when you're starting off a game. Uh, honestly, I just go to the plate looking for a good pitch to hit, and wherever I'm at in the order, and just what happens is that I've been leading off and hitting them, but uh, wherever I'm at, I'm just trying to look for a good pitch to hit, and I've gotten uh, pretty lucky, gotten some good pitches to hit, and hit them over the fence. When you hit a home run to start off the game, do you just float around the ballpark for the, the rest of the game? Like, does it change your level of confidence, or what does it do when you start off a game with a home run? Uh, yeah, it does change my level of confidence. I mean... Obviously, it's the best hit in baseball, so uh, you get pretty excited. The team gets all excited. The opposing pitcher, and pitchers always tell me this, they're like, I hate giving up leadoff home runs. So I know what it does you know, for the rest of my team. I think the guys might be a little bit more scared to throw to the next guy or might be afraid to throw that same pitch, so it, you know, it helps us out a lot. I like how you swing at the first pitch of the game, you know, and I feel like whenever you get out, it's like, oh, why do you swing at the first pitch? But then when you get a hit or if you foul it back, it's like, yeah, okay, let him know. You can't just groove on. What's your thought about swinging at the first pitch of the game? It's always been a thing growing up, like, you know, if you're leading off, maybe you want to take a pitch, but sometimes it's the best pitch to hit. And uh, I kind of remember getting that advice from uh, David Justice. He's like, you know, you got to be up ready, ready to hit all the time um, just because that might be the best pitch you see the whole night. And, uh, you know, usually first pitch of the game, the, the pitcher's trying to throw a strike. You know, they see me hit first pitch fastball, so sometimes they'll throw me first pitch breaking balls even to lead off the game. But it's, it's totally fine. Just I try to be ready to hit as much as I can. When you hit two home runs in a game, like you did last night, and that's the third time that you've done that, um, I remember we were talking at the start of the season about just whole, like, it's okay to be proud of yourself. It's okay to, like, want more, but it's okay to be satisfied. Give me your level of satisfaction after a game like last night. You know, I was super pumped up. I mean, obviously, we came together as a team. I think we scored, what, 19 runs, something unbelievable. But, I mean, for me personally, too, it's just like, wow. And it just gives me more confidence going into to games. I know I didn't do as well the last two games. I drove in a couple RBIs, but um, my swing wasn't where I wanted it to be. And so to come off of it like that, it's a super exciting moment. And I really was proud of myself. I remember when you hit two at El Paso, and I was talking to your manager, Warren Schaefer, a couple of days um, after that, and Warren made the comment that you just hate to lose. And let's face it, nobody likes to lose, but you know, you would you would help rally the team. That's the game we were down 8-1. We rallied. We won it 11-8. But Give us just your mindset of just your competitive fire. That's what it is. I mean, I remember going into that game in El Paso, too, um, and they, you know, they kicked our butt for, like, three straight games, and I was like, Shake, we got to win this one. Like, by all means, I don't care if it's one to zero. Like, please just let us win. But uh, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, being around my brothers growing up, all athletes, and we have that competitive drive, and it's just about, you know, you want to win no matter what. And so, you know, if I'm 0 for 5 in the game, but we still get the job done that always feels good coming back into the clubhouse because I always know I have tomorrow. When we when we lose, it's like, dang it, man. Like, what, what do we do wrong? And then you feel like the game's all your fault. So um, I, I really, you know, I really enjoy winning and hopefully we just keep it going. 
This is Isotopes on Deck. We're visiting with outfielder Winton Bernard. Last year, you hit a career-high seven home runs. This year, you're already up to 12. What have you learned about your swing? What are the different things that you've done over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a whole combination of things, but um, I think the biggest thing was, like, you know, I always hit balls hard, but they weren't in the right direction. You know, I remember being like, you know, with the Cubs and like the Giants and even the Tigers, they'd be like, your exit velocity is really, really, really high. But they never even, you know, talked about it. And um, I just figured like if I if I can try to get more balls in the air, that'll it'll be helpful. It's not something I really try to do. It's just like my approach is the same, but I think my swing my swing changes have made a big adjustment. Um, talking to Everson in the off season, and obviously working with uh, Pacheco every day, it's it's helped a ton. The biggest thing is being more like way more consistent on balls where I used to pull off and like hit them foul or balls I would have been late on. Uh, now I'm driving them in the gaps or hitting them over the fence, which is like you said, super exciting. From going from seven home runs and you know, as my high to 12 already, it's, it's pretty fun for me. It was not too long ago that you're playing independent baseball. And I mean, that's, that, that, that can be really tough. And you're wondering where, what's next in your career. What has this year and last year being back in affiliated ball, being with the Rockies, the success that you've had, what has that meant to you in the grand scheme of your career? I just, I think it's overcoming adversity and uh, just fighting through the perseverance of anything because I'm not the only one who's, you know, um, you know, been in, in this type of situation where you've had to go to independent ball and try to work your way out. And it really is really, 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 really hard. <laughs> it's, that's the easiest way to describe it. It's just, it's really, really tough. And so for me to do that, I'm, I'm proud of myself, like, for, for sticking through and never giving up any faith because it's a hard game and opportunities come slim. So you just have to take advantage as much as you can, you know, when they do come. Final question along those lines, when it is that hard with that many varies of how hard it is, what makes you decide, I want to keep going? Because for a lot of guys, they play one year of independent ball. They're like, all right, it's time to get on with my life. Um, what is it that made you want to keep going? Uh, I think it's just the belief in myself. I've always, like I said, I've, I've had faith in myself. And it's kind of weird. Like, as I get older, I've gotten better. And I know most guys, like, decline. But it's always that I've had all the tools and the talent. But... I've just gotten better. Like I just keep adding on, keep adding on. And when you see that, you're like, oh, I didn't know I can hit a ball opposite field 400 feet. Like I've never done that in my life. Okay. <laughs> I ha I mean, it's almost like, you know what? I have to keep going because this is, this is what, you know, Critton Giffrey Jr. was doing. Like he was hitting balls that way. I was like, oh, I could, you know, I could do something similar to that. So um, I think it's a combination of me just seeing like my full potential. And um, like I said, just not giving up because I I've gotten better, not worse. All right, Winton. Great stuff, as always. Thank you so much. It's fun to describe. Go help the Isotopes win the game tonight. All right. Thanks, Josh. Now let's skip ahead exactly one month to July 26th. Once again, it's a Tuesday, game one of a series. I'm interviewing Isotopes manager Warren Schaefer, and here is part of that interview. Yeah, absolutely. I like our lineup a lot, too. And another reason why I like our lineup is because Winton Bernard's hitting leadoff. And I know I've asked you about him almost every week, but that's because he keeps giving us reasons to talk about him. I was looking at this today here, Shafe. In his first nine years, he hit 33 home runs, so about four per year. He's got 17 this year. That's incredible. What do you make of his power display this year? You know, and it's not it's not something that's, you know, park determined, you know, being here and Vegas, you know, all these other places we play because he was in this league last year. And I don't know how many did he hit last year. Seven. You know? He hit seven last year. It's an approach change. It's a swing change, and he stuck to it. A lot of hard work put into what he's done and to 
it's one thing to see it for a month. It's another thing to see it for 80 games straight. And he's done that, and it's very impressive to me, especially at age 31. The other thing about him, I was thinking about this today with, okay, we got this guy back from injury, we got this guy back from injury. Other than, what, two days in Round Rock, he's been available for you every day. What does that mean as manager, knowing that you've got a guy like him available if you need him in whatever role? Oh, you talking about Winton? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge, huge advantage, especially when he's a guy that's, you know, at the top of the league in OPS and on base percentage, stolen bases, you know, everything everything he's doing this year, he's available all the time. He never wants to not play. He never wants a day off. You know, he's, Coco's similar, very similar. Coco doesn't want to take a day off. You could play him uh, 80 games in a row, and, and you wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't even notice the difference. And Montero's the same way. I mean, we have a lot of guys like that, uh, and it's good to have as a manager. Now let's move ahead a few more days to Sunday, July 31st. Winton's older brother, Walter Bernard, was in town visiting. He threw out the ceremonial first pitch. He played in the NFL for three different teams. He was also All-Mountain West Conference for the University of New Mexico. He played his football across the street from Isotopes Park. Walter joined me during the broadcast to talk about his younger brother. I've edited out all the baseball that was going on in between our conversation. And this is the discussion between myself and Winton Bernard's older brother, Walter Bernard. We'll join the conversation when we asked him what it's been like watching Winton enjoy the best season of his career. Uh, it's been great just because uh, the, the thing about Winton is uh, he's one of the hardest workers. And I'm just not saying that because he's my brother, but he just has a work ethic that's unmatched. And uh, the great thing about Winton is it doesn't matter what's going on around him. He's able to, you know, kind of put his head down and, and grind. And, uh, you know, he's, he's willing to outwork, you know, anybody and reach for his goals. So it's been great because his hard work has definitely been paying off. So we know you played in the NFL. You, we know that you were great across the street for Lobos. What do you do nowadays? Uh, right now I'm a practicing attorney. I'm actually uh, in the, uh, the state of Pennsylvania, and I rotate my time between uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. What yeah. type of law do you practice? Pr primarily uh, civil litigation and uh, personal injury. Okay. So, yes. Is that something new you always wanted to do, or was that after your career you decided you wanted to be a lawyer? Good question. It was after my career I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I had a situation go on in, uh, in Seattle. Um, and was working with attorneys up there, you know, just really got interested in how contracts worked and the ins and outs of contracts. I was also interning at a, a sports agency just to kind of figure out the behind the scenes of what goes on in, in sports. That got me interested in, in going to law school. So it wasn't a thing that I always wanted to do. It kind of just came up after, you know, after my playing days. That's cool, though. I love that story about how that came up. Winton shared with me photos that, that were taken when you were a player and he was just a little kid and he'd come out here and, and he told me about coming with your mom and dad out here to watch the games and everything. Those were cool. Yeah, those, those were great. I mean, they tried to make every home game they could. It's a 12-hour drive from San Diego, California, where we're from. And so uh, my mom, as soon as she would get off work, they would jump in the car and, and make the drive. Wait, they would drive all the time from San Diego out here? Yes, yes. So, like I said, as soon as she would get off, they would they would make the drive and be in time for the game on Saturday. And then and then right after, um, you know, they would make it back. She would be back to work on Monday, Monday morning. So. I drove once from from Los Angeles to Albuquerque, and I said, never again flying <laughs> from now on. Or maybe I'll stop in Phoenix for the night and just break this drive up. If Wikipedia is correct, and Wikipedia is not always correct, it's usually correct, but if Wikipedia is correct, then the athleticism in your family is 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 really impressive, but it's also impressive for the diversity of the athleticism. 
Okay, so you played football, you went to the NFL. Mike, a brother, was a high jumper at Southern Illinois University. Then you have Wayne, he played professional basketball in Europe. And then you have Winston, who's the professional baseball player. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Those are all correct. Wikipedia's yeah. right. Yes, yes, that is that is correct. Um, yeah, so uh, our younger brother, uh, actually my younger brother, Wayne, uh, yeah, he did he did play uh, Division One for Davidson. And uh, I think it was a 14-year career over in uh, Europe playing basketball as a point guard so yeah so we got football we got basketball we got baseball we have track and field yes i can only imagine what how you guys competed as brothers in every sport yeah i mean the good the good thing is it was more of uh we we kind of supported each other uh just because you know we all we all were athletic but it just it it fed into different types of into different sports so i mean the one consistent we all pretty much all played basketball but you know, as we got into high school, we we branched out into more specific, more specific sports. So um, I actually didn't play. A lot of people don't know this. I actually didn't play uh, football until my senior year of high school. Are you serious? Yes. And then, did you go straight to? Did you go junior college ball, or did you go straight to the Lobos? I went straight to the Lobos after so one year of high school football. After one year of high school football, it was, it was right around my um, maybe my third my third game. Um, you know, Dennis Francione and his crew, they uh, they started recruiting me. Uh, I think they were looking at another, one of my teammates and happened to see film of me. And, um, you know, from from about the third game of the season, they recruited me heavily. And so that's why I you know, ended up deciding to go to New Mexico. So uh, I hadn't even, you know, finished one season of football and was recruited to, to come to New Mexico. That is crazy. I was getting recruited for, for track, and so that's where I had thought, you know, I was going to, you know, uh, go to college based on uh, track and field. And uh, a lot of the uh, the offers in recruiting started coming in and for, uh, for football. So, uh, yeah, I started off playing cornerback. And the reason I played cornerback, it was the easiest position to learn. Okay. I didn't have time to learn free safety or uh, receiver. So I just came in and my, my high school coach just said, hey, it's, it's kind of like basketball. Just don't let them catch the ball. So uh, we did a lot of bump and run. And, you know, that was my bread and butter. So, you know, I was able to shut down a lot of the top receivers out, you know, when I was in high school. And uh, from that year, I, I was able to make, uh, you know, all county and um, came out with a lot of awards, after, you know, after my senior season. We are visiting with Walter Bernard, former defensive back for the Lobos. Did you play corner in, in safety or just corner for the Lobos too? Just corner for the Lobos. Okay. Yes, yes. I guess there's something to be said for you. Just keep it simple, right? Just don't let him catch the ball. That's <laughs> yes. Easier said than done right. sometimes. Yeah, a lot, there's a lot of technique <laughs> behind that. But, yeah, that, that's kind of uh, how I first started playing the position is, hey, just don't let him catch the ball. The first rule of, of, of broadcasting up here is everything is simple up here. <laughs> everything is very simple up here. It sounds like, though, even though there's a 12-year gap, that can be pretty big. But you and it sounds like you and Winston are pretty darn close. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're very close. And a lot of times, you know, people, people are amazed about the the age gap um but you know it, it it works you know we still feed off of each other uh we motivate each other and you know he motivates me to to do well in you know some of my legal cases and um you know i know he looks up to me uh even from playing back with the lobos you know just coming to the games and being around all the players uh, he still remembers a lot a lot of uh, a lot of the players and their names and numbers how does he motivate you with like a case is he like you know like, I, mean, I say uh, this like half serious but yeah, half no, joking no, no, too. No, no, you know, uh, like, because there's there's times there's times when I'm you know when I'm working I'm studying and uh, you know you're, you're you're tired and then uh, 
you you see how hard he works when uh, stuff isn't stuff hasn't gone gone right for him um, throughout his career where he didn't get an opportunity. Uh, but you know, kind of what you meant, alluded to earlier, he's always the same. Doesn't yep. doesn't really complain. Uh, he just goes out there and, and continues to work, and so that provides motivation for me. All right, Walter, thanks so much for your time. I'll let you get back to your mom. Tell your mom I say hello. You're always welcome up here. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Just over a week after that, it's now August 5th of 2022. Winton Bernard was named the Pacific Coast League Player of the Month for July, and we sat down to talk about that month and the season that he was enjoying. We're joined now by outfielder Winton Bernard. Now, Winton all season has been playing extremely well, but today he was named Pacific Coast League Player of the Month, led the league in batting average, in runs, in hits, in OPS, top five in a whole lot of other categories. Overall, how does it feel, Winton? feels super good, super good. I know it's a huge honor, too, because, I mean, you look up and down this league, and there's so many good players. I mean, there's guys coming down from the big leagues all the time. There's guys coming up from AA that are top prospects. Triple uh, A, like the PCL is a huge league, and so to get this honor, it's like, it's a huge deal to me. Uh, it's a huge accomplishment, and I've played in this league, um, what, three or four years at least, so um, probably more than that, maybe five years, <laughs> so it's a, it's a huge deal. I've never gotten an award like that. I know that you've gotten weekly awards before, and like you said, having spent so much time in this league where you think about this month, right? We were in Round Rock in Sacramento. We were in high altitude and low altitude and hot and overcast, and it really was quite the month. It definitely was. I mean, going from the West Coast to Texas, I mean, all over the place, even back home in Albuquerque, playing in a lot of different places. But, yeah, I was, I was able to do it. Super excited. I've talked with both manager Warren Schaefer and also the Rockies hitting coordinator Darren Everson about some tweaks that you made to your, to your swing in order to try and get the ball in the air to, to hit for a little bit more power. In your own words, what did you do this offseason? What have you done this year? I talked to Everson in the offseason, and he pointed out some of my hot zones and cold zones. And I felt like last year I had like a whole bunch of just misses. And so I started studying um, what J.D. Martinez and Miguel Cabrera would do, and it looked like different movements. So... Um, Long story short, I got to hit with my hitting coach, Phil Plantier, back home, and I worked with a, a hitting coach down in Miami. His name's Sebastian, and we worked, you know, just for a few days, and he showed me a couple of different things that I liked, and going over some film with Phil, I was like, okay, these are the changes I need to make, and it's definitely made a huge difference. I, some of the guys on the team have noticed a difference, too. Um, you probably can't see it from the naked eye, but it's like I've made basically a whole different swing change. As much work as you put in the offseason, you believe in it, you think this is going to be good, but did you ever really imagine that you'd have 17 home runs with two months left in the season? <laughs> you know, it's almost like, you know, anything's possible. I think I'm such an like, optimist guy, like so I'm not really surprised by anything, but I've never hit more. I can't even remember my career number. I've, I haven't hit over 10 in a career before, and so to hit 17 already is definitely a huge accomplishment. It definitely is, and I just want to keep it going. This is Isotopes on Deck. We're visiting with Winton Bernard. Well, when it comes to keeping it going, before today, you had started 21 consecutive games in center field, batting leadoff. And I know that we had the uh, midseason break there, but when you play 21 in a row, how does the body feel, especially these super long games in hot weather? Yeah, I just do my best to, you know, try to keep the legs loose. Obviously, after the game, uh, recovery is a huge deal. And, you know, doing my best to stretch as much as you can. But... Playing center, especially in high altitude, there's some balls in the gaps. So you got to go left center to right center. A lot of running. And you know me, I like to steal bases and I like to get to the extra base for my teammates. So um, it's definitely worn on my body a little bit, but it's nothing I can't handle. As I was writing that note down, 
a little birdie in the back of my brain said, remember Cal Ripken Jr., that guy who played in like 2,300 consecutive games? How does your appreciation for his streak compare when you think about the 21 in a row you just played in? <laughs> I mean, it definitely does. I didn't even know I played 21 in a row. That's that's pretty good because I don't think I've done that, you know, in a few years. And it's a blessing. There's been many years where I've, you know, spent on the bench and um, I just prayed for the opportunity to, to just get to play every day. And so just to come this far to be able to play every day at AAA is a huge accomplishment for me. But, you know, like seeing Cal Ripken play that many consecutive games, it's just like, wow, <laughs> how did he? So let's talk a little bit more about just this season. And, you know, at the start of the season, it was like in the past. You're playing every other day, maybe once every three days, and you've earned your playing time. Big picture, what has this season meant for you in your career? Let's see. I mean, there's so many emotions that go through it. But, I mean, just to start out, like, like you said in the off season, I put in all this work and I really, really wanted it to pay off. And I felt like I haven't reached my full potential. And I, year after year, I'm like, I'm better than that. I'm better than that. I'm better than that. And finally, at the point I'm at where I'm like, okay, I'm in my prime right now. This is this is where I need to be. So I'm just so glad that everything's coming together and all my hard work is paying off. Um, and it's and it's going a long way. The final question is about the team. Back to back, just heartbreaking losses and extra innings. You've played for a lot of teams, and when you play enough baseball, you're going to have these heartbreaking losses. Give us just kind of like the vibe in the clubhouse after a disappointing game like last night and the night before and how you shake it off and get ready to play the next one. I mean, these, these past few, honestly, they've been tough. And, I mean, me personally, I wish I did better in the game because I think it's natural for an athlete who competes. You think the game is your fault. You know, you're like, dang, if I, if I would have done this better, if I would have done this better, if I would have got a hit in the ninth, you know, drove in those two runs, maybe we would have won the game. And so going around the clubhouse, I think we all think kind of the same way. It's like, what could we have done better at the end of the day? So if we all try to do one, you know, one little thing better, um, I think we'll come out on top these next three games because this is a good El Paso team, but I truly do. I mean, all respect to them, but I feel like we're a better team. We uh, The ball just hasn't gone our way the past couple games. All right, Winton. Good stuff as always. Congratulations on the monthly honor. Keep it up. Thank you very much. And now we move ahead to August 11th, 2022. This is a day that I will never forget for a number of different reasons. Let me set the stage. Batting practice is taking place. Bernard is in usual batting practice clothes. It's just any other day preparing for a game. Chris Forbes is the Rockies' director of player development. I had made plans to talk with him before he took off to go out of town. And I remember thinking in my mind, I want this interview to go long enough so that I can use a part one and a part two. And I knew that Jonathan Daza had been injured in the Rockies game earlier that day. I didn't know what it was going to mean for the future of Winton Bernard, but I knew I had to ask Chris Forbes about Winton Bernard. And here is that exchange. Well, when it, when it comes to winning, like, actually the number one player that comes to mind on the ice system's roster is Winton Bernard. The number of times that I've heard him say to me or in the dugout, we need to win this game. Like, I'm tired of losing. And what he's meant, you know, I mean, this is a guy now in his second year with the Rockies organization. Obviously, he's not a kid. He's 31 now. But, I mean, he's a legit MVP candidate in this league. What has his performance done to open up eyes in the Rockies organization? Well, I mean, you know, last year you saw an unbelievable high-character kid. And, and, you know, you just love the grinder because that it's the whole track going back to you know as an amateur player i mean his his division one was niagara he's from san diego and i was taking i asked him i said you driving through a lot of d1 cities on the way out to niagara you know and just you you see the passion and the love for the game and and the gratitude you know that gets lost in in the day-to-day -day. i mean he's extremely grateful to be playing 
And for him to come up here and be consistently, you know, you could argue probably one of the best players in the PCL, you know, all year. It's pretty special, and, and you know, I hope he gets a shot. Not too long after that interview was conducted, I would say about an hour later, is when the Isotopes manager, Warren Schaefer, called a brief team meeting in order to tell Winton and all of his teammates all at the same time that Bernard was going to the major leagues for the first time. Shortly after that team meeting is when Winton FaceTimed his mom. That's the audio that you heard at the beginning of this podcast. Later on that night, after the game was over, the Rockies had still not yet made it official, but it had become very apparent what was going on. This is a conversation that Warren Schaefer had with Jeff Grammer, who covers the isotopes for the Albuquerque Journal. And this is Schaefer confirming the news that Winton Bernard is going to the major leagues. What I saw today was uh, made this the, the best day of my coaching career. Hands down, period. What I saw, what I witnessed in that locker room today, the reaction of Winton, the reaction of his teammates, it just, it just made it, it, it just, you know, because this game can get monotonous, man, but it just made everything that you do worthwhile to see somebody like Winton that has been grinding in the minor leagues for 11 years. He does everything the right way. Um, he was here last year and hit 250 and come back at the age 31 and do, do, and, and to do what he did and, and continue to get better at age 31. I mean, that's, there's not a lot of guys that do that, man. And, and to just grind it out and not give up and persevere. It's something that we can all learn from and to see grown men cry, uh, that have children. You know, and, and I mean, you're grown men at AAA, and to hear that when Bernard gets called up and to see tears flow in the locker room, you know, by Wynn and, and his teammates, old teammates, you know, guys in their 30s, that's just special, man. It just, it, you know, that's, it, that doesn't happen every day. That's what you hope, you always hope, you know, you hope all season, everybody hopes that Wynn gets called up. And then he finally does, and, and uh, it's very, very special. It's, it's, it's why we do this. There's no doubt about it. It's the definition of why everybody does this and why sport is such a uh, incredible thing. And, and uh, you know, it's just, it's inspiring, you know? Again, the video of Winton FaceTiming his mom was filmed by Brandon Gold. It's so beautiful and emotional and raw and real and authentic. And I think that, the power of that conversation between Winton and his mom is just something that all of us can resonate with. I wanted to find out more details about that conversation, what led to it, the behind the scenes. And so I interviewed Brandon Gold for the pregame show to find out more about the story behind that powerful video. We continue with Isotopes on Deck, and we're joined now by pitcher Brandon Gold. Six scoreless innings yesterday, but Brandon, man, the vibes yesterday, all the feels. Let's start off with it's just after batting practice. Warren Schaefer calls a team meeting. You take it over from there about what he says and how the clubhouse reacts. Yeah, I'll go from my personal perspective. I was actually, so it was about 5.15, and the game started at 6.30, so I was getting ready, actually. I was in the, in the middle of the clubhouse, had my headphones in, couldn't hear anybody. And then I just got this like feeling that people were like crowding around me. So I took my headphones off 
And I was like, what's going on? And everybody's around us and Schaefer walks out. I was like thinking in my head, I was like, please, like, I hope that this is what it is. And he like specifically called out Wynn because Wynn always took naps kind of before the game, whether he's meditating or napping or something like that. And he like called out, he's like, hey, like Wynn, like take your headphones out or something. And you know, the second he said, after 11 years, I think every single person knew exactly what was coming next. And man, he fell to the ground. He fell on his knees. He started crying. It was it was one of the just the pure moments that that I'd seen in a while. Um, this is really the first true like call up that I've been a part of. To be honest, uh, a lot of the other ones unfortunately have happened via like our group me or something where a roster transactions happened in the morning or like at 11:30 at night when we're all home. So this is the first one that I've ever really been a part of. I asked a couple of the veteran guys if that was one of the best ones they've been a part of, and everyone said that that was one of the best ones they've ever been a part of. So not too long after that, Winston gets on the phone to FaceTime with his mom, not too far from where we're sitting right now to record this. I'm so grateful that you turned on your phone to record this moment. Describe those emotions. Yeah, uh, so Reagan and I actually, after kind of everybody congratulated him and he had took a, a breath, Dude, you gotta call your mom. You gotta call your mom. You gotta FaceTime her. You can't just call her, you gotta FaceTime her. And we gotta record it. Reagan Reagan came up with the idea and I was like, well, I'm gonna go outside and watch because this is gonna be amazing. And I put my phone on. Reagan was on the other side of Wynn. I was on one side and it was really funny because like any mom, I would assume, she couldn't really figure it out at the beginning. <laughs> we could hear her, she could see us or Wynn. And he was like, mom, and I was like, when, like in the video, you can kind of hear me say like, no, 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 you got to see her. Like yeah. you can't say it without seeing her. And they finally got it. Uh, and he's like, mom, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mom, I'm going to the major leagues. And it took her probably a good second and a half to kind of hear the words that he said. And she broke down and uh, it was LJ, me and Reagan standing outside. Wynn broke down. And then the three of us broke down too. I mean, it was just the purest moment. He got into thanking his mom for always being there for him. And I know personally for me, that really put it in perspective of like, man, if this moment did happen to me, like those emotions would come out for me as well. But then I, I this is my second year being teammates with Wynn and um, I didn't know too much about his personal life, but uh, he started diving into how his mom took care of his father. And that really, uh, pushed him to be great and pushed him to be the the workhorse that he is uh you know on and off the field the, the man that he is on and off the field and i actually asked him later what had happened when it was more of a calm moment and stuff like that and unfortunately his father passed away i want to say 10 years ago and his mom took care of him uh he had a stroke so i mean let's that's just amazing what he, what his mom has done and that honestly was a tip where all of us just started crying uh he started crying and honestly i'm just i'm so excited to watch him play today i'm i'm so glad that he gets to play today uh he's i mean we've watched him every day for two years now it, the dude is so special on the baseball field and there wasn't there's not one guy in our clubhouse that didn't want this for him there's not one guy that wasn't the over moon over the moon excited um it could not have happened to a more deserving guy 
Am I going too far here? But when you guys took the field, it felt like there was such good vibes and inspiration that it just led to everyone's performance. You dominated on the mound. Heron makes a sliding catch. Tolia has this pick of this wicked oh smash. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I was a little thrown off with my routine. I mean, I was, I was probably five minutes late to getting outside because I was showing guys the video and I wanted to watch it again. And when I was done before I was throwing, I was talking to Gonzo and Morales, but not about the game. I was talking about win, and I was like, guys, this is amazing, and it kind of took my mind off of things for a second, and dude, it was just awesome. It, it really was, and I think that you, you hit the nail on the head that nobody realized it, but there was definitely something about last night. When you think about all of the things that you've experienced in your baseball life, what is a day like yesterday mean for the isotopes for the Rockies for the sport of baseball you know it's really cool I'll, I'll answer all of those for the isotopes I think that it's really cool that when I mean let's be frank and I know that he would he would probably say this too like he was fighting for for playing time at the beginning of the year last year fighting for playing time we have a lot of outstanding hitters on our team outstanding defenders on our team and he really seizes his opportunities and he puts it on display every single day and for someone you know, from Albuquerque to get called up after being in five, I think five organizations and for the isotopes to kind of be his last home before going, that's that's so special. And I, I saw the video this morning of you guys at the airport with him and it's just so special. Uh, for, for baseball itself, I think that this is the epitome of what everything is about. You know, I've had, I, w I wanna say probably half, a little over half of the guys on this team have debuted, have showtime on this team. But you know, there's there's a difference in my opinion, and I talked to a couple guys last night about Winton's call up versus like, oh, like it's a prospect, you know, he's played really well, but like also it was in the cards, so to speak. And it was not in the cards for Winton. I know at the beginning of the career, what was he, a 35th rounder or something like that? I know that he had some really good years at the beginning. I saw he got DFA'd and all that, played internationally, but there's just a different call up and that just epitomizes what baseball is about and his mom said it best on the phone that even if you're up there for one day he fulfilled his destiny and th that's what it's about that's what it's about awesome stuff Brandon thank you for your time thanks for the video that you shot um, heck of a job on the mound last night man what a special day thanks yeah thank you Josh and let's close out this podcast by hearing one more time from Winton Bernard. Now, on the morning of Friday, August 12th, I met him at the airport along with my co-worker, Rebecca Zook. We wanted to get some video of him checking his bag as he heads off to Denver, holding on to his plane ticket that says that he's going to Denver. And of course, we had to stop him inside the Albuquerque airport and have him explain to us the emotions that he was feeling before his life changed and he flew from Albuquerque to Denver to become a Major League Baseball player. Describe what happened after batting practice yesterday. <laughs> so after batting practice yesterday, I uh, went into the locker room and I was getting ready for a 6.30 game for the Albuquerque Isotopes. And <laughs> within two hours, I found out I was going to the Major Leagues. Um, un undescribable. I mean, it still feels, I'm like, Blinking my eyes every single moment, just telling myself, is this really real? And it really is. I literally got my ticket in my hand. I'm ready to go right now. Amazing, amazing. Describe how you found out the reaction of your teammates. So, as uh, my teammates, you know, they always they always known me for taking a little nap before the game just to get my mind right. So I'm in there about to fall asleep, and Schaefer calls a meeting. I'm like, oh gosh, we got another meeting coming. <laughs> and so. Uh, 
Oh, I stand up and, you know, Schaefer goes, after 11 hard minor league seasons, when Bernard's going to the show, and oh my gosh, I just kept replaying it in my mind all night last night. Um, my teammates all were super supportive. Everybody's coming up to me, giving me so much love, and that's I think that's what made it so special. I mean, I've been working so hard for this, and I'm just so excited to go today. Describe the first phone call you made, who it was, and what that moment was like. My first phone call was my mom. Um, so many tears, so many emotions, just because she's battled with me, you know, this this whole time. I mean, she's seen me grow up, growing up playing baseball at years old, and all the things I went through my whole life, and obviously the passing of my father. Uh, we know he's, you know, he's looking down on us, but calling her on FaceTime and seeing her face to face to see her reaction made it that much more special. Again, that is Winton Bernard, a collection of interviews that I have conducted with him and some other audio that I have obtained from over the last 16 months. What a story. What a moment for baseball. That was Winton Bernard, and this is Life Around the Seams.